0: Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Law and Blockchain Podcast, hosted by Amy Wan, CEO of Sagewise, a safety net for smart contracts and consultant for Security Token Academy.
1: Happy New Year, everybody. This is Amy Wan, host of the Law and Blockchain Podcast. You know, late last year, something very interesting began happening. Um, The first security tokens started trading um, in the United States. And today, we have two special guests here to discuss the topic and the significance of all of that. And they are Juan Hernandez of Open Finance Network and Patrick Doherty from Foley, which is a law firm. I'm going to go ahead and let you to introduce yourselves very quickly. Juan, can you tell us a bit about yourself and give us a brief explanation about what Open Finance Network is?
0: Sure, sure. sure. Uh, So so Open Finance Network is, is the first live regulated security token trading platform in the United States. Um, And so myself and and, and our team have uh, been active within the alternative asset market uh, since 2014. Uh, Really, we got our start in the crowdfunding days, but we've been working actively with uh, Regulation D, Regulation S, Regulation A+, and Regulation CF securities. Uh, And so our platform is available to uh, both accredited and non-accredited investors in the US and abroad. Um, and the security token market is one that we've expanded to from our base of alternative assets. Uh, my background, uh, I have a computer science degree from North Foster University, go cats, uh, have been active in the fintech and uh, exchange technology industry uh, for, for close to 20 years now, uh, and Uh, did go back uh, to uh, receive my MBA degree from Kellogg as well, go cats again. Uh, And so the uh, alternative asset market and and the general democratization of finance movement is something that I've been heavily involved in uh, for quite some time now.
1: Very interesting. Patrick, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice area? Because You know, you have very interesting experience to bring to the table on this this subject.
2: Well, that's just because I'm older than Juan, Uh, (laughs) but I love the Go Cats. Uh, uh, My my foremost credential is that I'm a Director Emeritus of the Northwestern Alumni Association. (laughs) So thank you Juan, Go Cats indeed. (laughs) Um, For 37 years, I've been a practicing securities lawyer. I had a stint in the leadership group of the agency at headquarters in Washington. Uh, when I was, uh, well, 30 years ago. Um, uh, but I've made my practice uh, uh, advocating for clients before the SEC all that time, ever since then. And have been involved in financial innovations along the way, and financial deregulatory measures such as Regulation S, which, which uh, WAN's ATS uh, transacts in, and uh, 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 Rule 144A, as well, uh, in the last couple three years, uh, my uh, uh, my practice has grown in the direction of crypto assets and digital securities, um, which is just you know a fascinating new asset class. And uh, I have been helping Juan and his partners bring online um, uh, this ATS Open Finance. Uh, in order uh, that they could bring together the orders of multiple buyers and sellers of digital assets. And here we are, we launched just last month and are off and running as the first such organized market in the US.
1: Fantastic. Um, so Patrick, you briefly mentioned ATS. What does that stand for? And why is an ATS different from an exchange? Yeah, uh,
2: that, That's an alternative trading system. And uh, uh, you can think of it as somewhere between a broker-dealer or a brokerage firm on the one hand and a regulated exchange on the other. Um, Like an exchange, an ATS brings together the orders of multiple buyers and sellers. But unlike exchanges, um, there is uh, no no obligation to publicly disseminate the best prices. There is no obligation on the ATS to regulate the conduct of its subscribers. And there's no burden of self-regulation, which all of the exchanges bear. So in, that, in those ways, uh, ATSs or are, are regulated more lightly than, than uh, national securities exchanges are. On the other hand, they are broker-dealers and therefore they are subject to all the regulation that uh, that broker dealers are subject to and that is not the case of uh, of an exchange it's somewhere in between
1: and so juan you know it sounds like you had a couple options a few couple regulatory options before you in terms of how you wanted to structure ofn why did you decide to be an atf
0: well it it's something that um we, we had known for quite some time that as we continue to grow, we, we needed to uh, upgrade our broker dealer license to an ATS. And so I, I say upgrade because we, we were always um, operating as a broker dealer within the space. So that That's uh, flat out a baseline requirement to have a broker dealer license, uh, which allows you to uh, transact in these financial securities and in these instruments um, as, as, the uh, 2017 kind of came to a close and and we were seeking to expand on our market, Uh, we knew that the ATS, a lot of the benefits that the ATS license brings uh, to to the company, it's something that we wanted to uh, upgrade our broker dealer license to. There's also, quite frankly, the the fact that the SEC started signaling very strongly um, that an ATS license would be the new baseline. Uh, requirement to, to, to operate as a uh, trading platform within the industry.
1: Very interesting. So let's take us back a little bit first. You know, obviously we've seen uh, a ton of crypto exchanges out there and some even are decentralized, right? And they're all sitting there operating, um, <laughs> many not in uh, exactly regulated, most of them probably not In very regulated ways. Um, But what you guys are trying to do is actually comply with regulations. And this is very, very complex to do. Why is what you guys are doing with security tokens so different from everything that's happening with the crypto exchanges?
0: Sure. I mean, just uh, I'll start here and I'm sure Pat will will layer on. Um, You know, first and foremost, just that um, investor verification mechanisms that, that, are seemingly non-existent on, on, on some other platforms, right? And I'm talking, you know, starting with basic AML, KYC requirements. That, that's something that is seemingly optional for, 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 for other platforms. And, and, and for us, that that's that first line, um, first line of defense, if you will, that, that we start with, um, uh, with, with our operations and, and, and the traders that we onboard. Um, so so that's at the investor level, you know, doing AML, KYC are reviewing accreditation uh, certifications uh, for international users, reviewing uh, residency verifications uh, to be able to classify a user as either in the US or not in the US uh, for for compliance reasons. And and then when you then move towards the actual uh, securities that we're trading, then that's a whole nother host of of questions and, and complexities that come up on how uh, a Regulation D security, for example, trades versus a Regulation S security versus a Regulation A plus security. Um, And these are things that we uh, had to take into account, uh, not just at the technology level, but also as in our core uh, operations and and procedural uh, actions.
2: If I could elaborate on that, um, the, uh, the, the, Uh, Regulation S and Regulation D securities have resale requirements. Um, uh, Bitcoin does not, Ether does not. um, uh, They can be freely resold, we think. I think most of the world has concluded they can be freely resold without reference to accreditation standards or domicile or other factors that bear on the ability to resell um, uh, securities of different kinds. Um, I, and I, I think it, it it bears emphasis that these are securities that we're talking about here. We're talking about stock, usually common stock that is transacted on uh, open finance network. That stock has voting rights. Uh, it may have dividend rights. Uh, Certainly as a stockholder, you have a claim against the issuer of the security of some sort at some level. Uh, There is corporate governance by that issuer that you can rely upon if you're a shareholder. There's a board of directors. uh, There's voting and organization, all of the legal attributes of share ownership that you do not see in crypto assets. You specifically do not see them in uh in uh, in uh, uh, bitcoin ether uh utility tokens uh, and so forth and so these instruments that are traded on the uh, on, on on open finance are a good deal less controversial with investors and also with the regulators uh, than crypto assets are
0: yeah and that's a great distinction it's to kind of separate you know, the three buckets, if you will, I think just very broad buckets of, you know, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, uh, you know, the, the utility tokens, uh, you know, that, that um, you know, ha- are heavily under fire right now, um, and, and security <laughs> tokens, which are effectively securities, as, as Pat indicated, you know, it's, they're wrapped in a new digital format, it's a new sort of ledgering mechanism or a new way to keep books and records. For these securities, but at the end of the day, they are, you know, one hundred percent securities and treated as such uh, under the eyes of the regulators.
1: Interesting, you know, all this blockchain stuff as applied to security tokens, I think, causes for a lot of novel issues, especially. Uh, you know, things for regulators to be able to wrap their heads around. What were some of the more interesting issues that you guys overcame prior to launch?
0: Oh, there's a whole suite of them. <laughs> uh, how much time do we have here? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, c- certainly investor verification, just start there, right? The Basically, the, the, how are you, how do we determine um, domicile, um, if they are U.S. Uh, uh, United U.S. investors or or non U.S. investors, um, and, and and how that's tracked on chain, right? And, and for that we do um, we do the uh, our compliance review or our um, investor verification review at the wallet level. So we actually certify uh, the wallets that are in uh, the possession of the end user, um, and, and they use that sort of as a investor passport, if you will, to transact on our platform. Um, so that, that's a process that we had to um, explain um, in, in some level of detail um, during our reviews. Um, and that, that, that's something that uh, just because of the na- the distributed nature of blockchain sort of became um, it's a, a question mark or, or a gray area. Um, uh when the time came for review so that, that's on the investor side on, on the token side on the asset side rather um yeah in terms of how smart contracts are implemented um and how they're they're enforced right how the rules are enforced how all of the uh, different resale restrictions um and, and, and the other mechanisms that need to be taken into account when any of these types of securities transact on the secondary market
2: i i, I um both FINRA and the SEC, um, uh, you know, have, have a role in the regulation of OFN, and we have, uh, we have had to, uh, help educate them about, yes. uh, not just, not just what OFN was, was doing and planning to do, but also about how this industry, uh, operates and, and how the technology works. They, they have large groups of, of, of uh, employees who are studying this, and we we spoke to gosh, you know, we spoke to dozens of people throughout the process, didn't we? Juan? not all at once, but altogether, we <laughs> did. Um, and, and just to help them understand what was going on, and and to get them comfortable with with the process, one of the, one of the issues, um, just to give you a, a little bit of flavor for that, is the the question of, of, of custody and control over the cash and securities that inter, intersect in market transactions. OFN does not uh, take custody of the cash or securities involved, either on the buy side or the sell side, but it took a while to explain that to the uh, to the regulators to their satisfaction because of course, they're accustomed to the the clearance and settlement of securities uh, regular way, um, you know. Here it all happens uh, on a blockchain, uh, and it's you know away from the ATS. Um, but we diagrammed that for them and walked them through it, and eventually they understood.
1: So here's an interesting question. i I've, I've actually asked this to other people on previous episodes of our show, and sometimes the explanation we get is. You know, it can be um, a little bit uh, complex and convoluted. So, so let me pose this question to you. And it's a very basic question, right? But I, I just feel like so, so few people understand the space. What is the main advantage of putting securities um, on blockchain?
0: To, to me, there, there are several major advantages, but, but, but I, I think the one, um, the one at the heart of what I think will be the uptick in adoption across the industry is, is quite simply operational efficiency. Uh, the, a lot of these alternative assets are, are transacted on paper today. Um, on paper or in a spreadsheet somewhere, you know, there are transfer agents in the space that that can help it, but they are also very paper heavy. Um, If you want to do a transfer, it requires a lot of paper, fax machines, sometimes even, you know, FedEx packages. And so it's a very long and tedious uh, multi-week process to do a simple transfer of ownership. Um, and, And the operational efficiency side of that just reduces the entire clearing and settlement process to a matter of minutes. Um, rather than days or weeks. So um, to me, that the, that's at the heart of what, what will eventually create this uptick in adoption across the industry. There there are other benefits and I'm sure uh, Pat has his opinion and a couple others that, that um, we can talk through, but, but that to me is, is kind of, you know, the, the very unsexy nuts and bolts, um, you know, main advantage.
2: I agree. Yeah. Speed, speed is the answer. You know, um, Uh, The public equity markets um, uh, used to be T plus five business days, then it went to T plus three. Now it's T plus two. That's public equity. Private equity is more like T plus a month um, because you need to get everything lined up to make it happen. Uh, uh privately placed securities do trade but not in a continuous market we're talking about the creation of a continuous market here so you go from T plus 1 month to T plus 1 day or less than that and not only that but it's 24/7 365 so uh the transactions can go off at at any time um, I'm I'm closing this weekend, unrelated to this, a transaction on the weekend where the funds will flow on Saturday night. Obviously we're, we're doing it in crypto because no bank is open <laughs> on Saturday night. So, But that's the way this exchange will operate also. It does operate this
0: way. Yeah.
2: speed And also, no fails. I mean, you'll have better identification of fills. Uh, so you won't have trades getting decayed on the Buy side, because the the blockchain matching process will eliminate that risk.
1: So no opening bell for the security token, you know, oh. trading day.
2: <laughs> it's twenty four seven. Yes, yes.
1: And so, how you know, what do you think is the temperature of regulators on this? Do you think they understand the benefits and are they excited are they cautious and how have you gotten them to be comfortable with what you and the rest of the security industry is doing
0: i i believe well they, they've obviously been very cautious but but i do believe that that there is a uh, a sense of welcoming if you will it's, you know at the end of the day um you know Regulation—it's it, not about stifling innovation or anything. You know, it's, it's, I think uh, uh, you know, the SEC Chairman uh, um, Clayton has been pretty clear. That, you know, they're not trying to stifle innovation here. They're, they're, at the end of the day, regulation is all about investor protection, um, and so they—they they just want to ensure that these new mechanisms provide the same level of protection to the investors um, as the old mechanisms do. Um, but. One thing that we've been able to show and I think just industry as a whole has been able to show uh, through some of these security token mechanisms is that With these smart contracts and this new technology, you can actually better enforce regulation and better protect the end investor. Um, It it brings in a level of transparency. Um, to the market uh, uh, that, that just hasn't been there before. And going back to the operational efficiency aspect, it also brings much lower cost structures to it because there's less intermediaries and middlemen to get to because the blockchain mechanisms can account for a lot of those uh, trust mechanisms that that have to be in place in, in traditional um, uh, securities, transactions, life cycles. So, so at the end of the day, you can provide greater investor protection and reduce costs for the end investor. And, and that to me is a it's a win-win uh, for, for all parties involved. So I do feel that that there ha- there is a sense of, you know, that they can see the benefit uh, of this new technology within the market.
1: Interesting. So Juan, when I actually talked to you last year, I asked you what your top two challenges were as a security token ATS. And you told me that your second largest headache or your second largest challenge is compliance and regulations. Can you give me a little, can you give me a little bit of color around that? Um, What, what makes it so
0: difficult? It's, it's just the newness of it. I think, you know, going back to what Pat and I have been talking about, you know, there's that education aspect of, you know, explaining how the technology works. Um, Then there's the Uh, explanation of how we're using the technology to enforce and and to apply the rules um, around resale restrictions, for example. Um, And and it's just such a new space and, and and the technology is moving so quickly that it's, it's it's been difficult for um, you know, all parties to keep up. But, but I, I do think that now you know, I, I forget when we, when we uh, chatted last year around that question, I, I do feel now that there's a greater level of understanding and, and there's a good two-way dialogue now um, within the space. Uh, there's a better level of understanding on, on the regulatory side, um, on both sides as to kind of how these uh, rules apply to, to the security class uh, and, and how the technology can be um implemented to 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 follow all of the rules so i you know it's still a challenge um and and as the technology continues to evolve um you know the compliance and regulatory aspect need to be revisited um time time again but it's one that you know it it does feel more like a two-way street um, than it did before
2: The, the reason it's challenging is because um Juan and his partners have, by business design, submitted to SEC and Finra regulation here, and that's inherently <laughs> complex. It's not the sort of it's not it's not the sort of thing that entrepreneurs ordinarily, uh, you know, undertake um, uh, uh, if 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 they can avoid it. They're yeah. in the broad digital asset space. Um, uh, most folks are. Fleeing from the regulators and trying to come up with ways that don't require uh, regulatory imprimatur or involvement. And so, if you've got an unregulated business or what you think is an unregulated business, naturally, you don't worry about um, you don't worry about your next SEC exam or Finra exam. Right. Um, uh, but it's 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 precisely because they are playing by the rules and within the construct of the existing rules that they have these burdens um, It's easier for exchanges because they're all big organizations I mean the uh, uh, the regulated exchanges are are uh, uh, employ significant uh, staffs of compliance professionals and um, and they are, you know, that that's that's a hard place for an entrepreneur to go. Uh, an ATS is uh, is easier uh, because it's in between a broker dealer and an exchange, but it's still challenging.
0: Yeah, con- uh, compliant with regulation yeah. is 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 just an ongoing challenge. This is, this is not an industry where you can uh, ask for forgiveness uh, <laughs> instead of permission. Yeah. You definitely have yeah. to ask. Uh, I think uh, uh, Pat, one of your colleagues, likes to say it's a "mother may I" <laughs> scenario. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah very often. Yeah.
1: Very yes. often. I feel like if there's a spectrum of attitudes co- towards compliance, you know, the the tech industry is kind of in the middle, right? They they yeah. may submit, but you know, they they're all often very willy-nilly. You guys are on one uh side of the spectrum and then all the crypto people are on the exact opposite yeah. side. But um you're, and it's me yeah you're starting to see still
0: enforcement now though you know you look at the ether yes. for example i think that that was a pretty uh shining example of you know you, you can't just ask for forgiveness later per se right that there there is a there are enforcements coming out now across the board
2: and there are and there are there are uh, uh many many un, uh many crypto exchanges known to be under investigation uh so i and which you know Wish harm or ill on anyone, but i I think be before we're done in a couple of years uh, when we're done with the current investigations, uh, there are likely to be some other folks who will wish they had had tried to comply with the law rather than take the position that the law didn't apply to them.
1: I actually have a I have an interesting question for you, Patrick. Um, you know in the in the early ICO days I had a conversation with someone who actually previously had a career on Wall Street and they were going out and doing an ICO and I told them look you know the rules you know better and their attitude was well when they do come after the enforcement piece they're going to go after like the bigger fish that they can fry and not me and what i'm starting to hear now is is a sentiment that no, like they will, it'll take, it'll take time. It'll take years, but they will eventually go after everyone that they can. I've, I've,
2: I've, I've seen literally hundreds of sec enforcement actions, uh, mostly from the inside, frankly. Um, uh, but also from the outside, they have a gestation period typically of about a year or so. Um, so um, you might close a deal in uh, 2018 and, and, and hear from the SEC about it uh, in early 2019 and then settle a, a case with the SEC in 2020. That would be kind of typical. Um, uh, do they go after the bigger ones first? Uh, they go after the most obvious violations first. Yeah. Uh, uh, they go after the most obvious violations Uh, uh, But they have, uh, you know, a broken windows policy, which is, you know, basically no violation is too small to prosecute. And the the SEC is literally, I think it's more than twice as big as when I was there. And all of that growth, so it's doubled in size or more, all of that growth has been in enforcement. Um, There aren't more people writing rules than there used to be, but there are many, many more people. Seeking to enforce their understanding of the rules than there used to be. Um, and I, I'll say, you know, if you, if you doubt their seriousness about prosecuting these cases, go reread the Dow report, yeah. which is about a year and a half old at this point. And every person that they warned they were coming after in that report, they've now gone after. They warned issuers, they've gone after issuers. Warned brokerage firms. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Warned exchanges. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Investment managers. Right on down the line. The only folks they haven't gone after yet are lawyers. But I expect that to happen too. Interesting.
1: So, and the promoters. Uh, and the promoters.
2: Certainly the promoters. And <laughs> the first thing they did was go after people for fraud. But that's yeah, that's and kind of easy. it's, and really it's not committed. really helpful. Yeah. It's not helpful to folks like one when they do that, because it doesn't teach them anything. I mean, they know not to steal money, right? We know not to steal money. But (laughs) it's it's the other more technical rules, the the registration requirements and so forth that have to be be, uh, where we need better guidance. And we've gotten most of it through enforcement actions, for sure, and not through other pronouncements. But um, the SEC's position on these matters is pretty plain these days have uh, oh, I've, I've, so also
1: all... yeah yeah, yeah, well, I mean that's look that's all twenty seventeen and it's going to take years to clean that mess up let's let's start talking about the future very quickly um can you paint me a picture, either one of you, paint me a picture of what you of the ideal security token industry in ten years? what does it look like
0: you know i I'll start here i i I believe that there's a a consolidation, if you will, of the off-chain capital markets and on-chain capital markets, meaning that there will not be a security token industry. Quite frankly, this is just how securities will be done in the future. So, so there, there will be an application and adoption of this technology across the board, especially in 10 years' time. I, I believe in three to five years' time, actually, we'll see a big acceleration of adoption. Um, where, you know, the term, you know, oh, we're doing a security token offering, you know, that phrase will not be, it won't mean anything because it's just, you'll be doing a capital raise. You'll be doing a a, a private placement of securities just like uh, people do today, just with newer, uh, better technology. So there's a lot of hype and excitement and buzz around, you know, blockchain in and of itself, but Mm -hmm. it's a tool that can be leveraged to increase efficiency in capital markets. That's how we look at it, so... Again, not a very uh, sexy, exciting picture, but but I think a realistic picture of what the, the industry will look like in 10 years.
1: But, it, you know, I, I beg to differ. I, I think it is. I mean, I, obviously, there's a lot of hype now, right? And a lot of people who don't understand what all of this is. But I think it is sexy exi- and exciting because it's this novel thing that what you're basically saying is you expect it to go mainstream and that yes. any security should be a security token.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, I believe so. Um, I mean, let, so me, certainly, let me ask you that like today mm-hmm. there are folks who do, you know, will do a private placement and just use a word document and an Excel spreadsheet to manage your books and records. Right. If you're doing a small mm-hmm. private placement with a private company, there will always be that. But I think the more, um, uh, the more professional approach will be to leverage this technology because it's simply it's just a lot more efficient at doing the job that that needs to be done.
1: Okay, so in the next couple months to years, what what are the open issues and the open questions that need to be solved within this industry?
0: Custody. That, that's a huge one. Okay. Yeah, that, that's an easy one. <laughs> uh, not not easy to solve, but he's sort of an easy one to identify that, that that's a big limiter in the industry still. Um, that That's one big one. I, I guess the other one I would say, and Pat, I don't know if you have thoughts here, no. but the, um, just, well, I, I hesitate to say further clarification because, Quite frankly, I think to some of us is very clear what the rules are, but perhaps better education across the board uh, uh, to other uh, uh, participants in the market who, the, around sort of the, the clarification of the rules, or a uh, um, you know to, to 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 lessen some of the uh, you know continued activity that's kind of trying to operate outside of the fold of regulatory uh, purview. I. Um...
2: I think that's right i i I, I believe uh, the sky's the limit for this firm and the industry. Um, uh, the better known uh, these trading techniques become, the more it will attract interest on both the buy side and the sell side um, uh, and you know the the uh, the original purpose of blockchain technology as envisioned by Satoshi in his famous white paper was to settle financial transactions. That's what this is. This is the settlement of financial transactions. And 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 that's what Juan's talking about when he says, this is where the industry is going. Um, uh, I, I think not just for private securities, but for public securities as well. The exchanges all have blockchain Projects in development the DTC is a blockchain project in development Um, So I envision uh, Financial transactions on a very broad scale settling uh, via blockchain transactions You know in a a very very uh, broad scale within ten years now sooner Um, uh, Right now In, a, in our venture capital practice, for example, most of our clients use this is not a commercial, but it's a fact. they use the technology of a company called Carta. Now Carta with yeah. Carta you can manage your you can manage your capitalization table very efficiently on a spreadsheet. Well, okay, that's a good start. Now take <laughs> that cap table uh, take that take that the company should take its cap table, to OFN and and list list all those securities for resale because now you've created liquidity for your investors that they didn't have before. So that's on the sell side. On the buy side, you know, folks who want a diversified mix of private placed opportunities or offshore opportunities or crowdfunded opportunities, you know, they can bid for a variety of these opportunities themselves by participating on the buy side. So it's the matching of the orders of the many buyers and the many sellers that is the function of this platform. Um, and is and and you know the sky's the limit uh, as as the uh, uh, as the market as the market picks up on it.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Carta because I haven't heard much from them about this whole thing that's happening, and yet I think it significantly affects their business. Um, uh, I I want to go back to a, a quick point that Juan mentioned, which is all of this going mainstream, right? And I think in order to do that, the institutions need to come in and be invested and be very interested. And we saw them largely sit on the bylines in the crowdfunding space, what is the temperature of the institutions for the security token industry?
0: I think it's it's very warm, borderline hot. Um, you look at companies, uh, large players like Fidelity, uh, with their Fidelity Digital Assets division, um, that's taken a very uh, uh, forward-thinking approach um, within the industry, and and. and Uh, that's within the alternative asset and custody space. You look at Goldman Sachs, who's also started um, providing uh, uh, services directed towards towards this type of asset class and this uh, um, uh, type of investor. You look at uh, backed uh, by the ICE group. Um, So certainly there's a lot more interest um, from institutional players now than there were during the crowdfunding days. And again, quite simply, I think it boils back uh, boils back down to just the operational efficiencies that, that this can bring um, to, to, to all financial market participants. Um, so it, it, it's something that, you know, now that we're in the middle of this crypto winter, if you will, and the buzz has died down a bit, I think this is going to be a time when the Uh, true application and potential of technology is going to shine forward and and, and break through the the hype and the buzz. Um, And and we'll see uh, large-scale pilots from some of these larger institutional players um, start to come forward and and really bring this mainstream.
1: Um, Great. Last question then. Let's talk about the buy side, or I have since buy and sell side, but um, the demand side very quickly what what kind of security tokens do you think are really going to take off first in terms of high demand um, high volume from a trading perspective?
0: You know when you think of these security tokens right now, a lot of it is um, you know that that ability to to trade. Um, these assets in, in a much more efficient way streamlined faster cheaper than has ever been done before uh, and, and the ability to trade them in a fractional way to, to do this um, uh, trading in, in not just large blocks you know just typically um, some of these private deals you have you know there's a minimum investment amount um, but the um, you know blockchain brings that ability to do sort of fractional ownership mechanisms and they're just like in crowdfunding you know, real estate is, is just a perfect asset class for fractional ownership um, so simply due yes. to, to to its nature, to its ability to value the asset, um, its ability to kind of uh, familiarity, I guess, with, with the general retail investor base. So, so we think um, real estate is, is going to be one of the first uh, um, to really take off from, from this technology. Fantastic. Well,
1: Juan and Patrick, thank you so So much um, to both of you for joining us and you know giving us a little bit more color on this uh, very interesting industry and this very momentous event. Um, Good luck to both of you for the next couple months, and uh, you know I I really hope to see all of this take off.
0: Great, thank you so much, Amy.
2: Thanks for having us on.